the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Okay, come with me to the book of 2 Timothy 4, verse 1 to 5. A church to keep I have, a God to glorify, and never dying soul to save, and fitted for the sky. A church, he said, I charge you in the presence of God. When I saw that, that song registered in my spirit. Somebody say, I charge you. I charge you. Somebody say, it's a, it's a charge. Said, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. Do what? Do what? Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all complete patience and teaching. When you preach the word, one of the things that it goes with, the teaching and the preaching of the word goes with is patience. Somebody say patience. patience. Say patience. patience. When you are a teacher and a preacher, you need to be patient or otherwise you'll be frustrated. Sometimes you meet ministers who are frustrated with the work of the ministry. It's because they are simply lacking patience. You teach all the right things. And sometimes the change you expect doesn't happen too quickly. God's word brings forth fruit with patience. Somebody say the word brings forth fruit. Word brings forth. With, patience. with patience. Yeah, as you mature in ministry, one of the things you need to do more is to pray for the people you minister to more. Amen? Yeah, it takes, it takes a lot. It takes a lot for people to come to a place. That's why Paul used to do that a lot. He said, I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation will be given to you. Because something that may come very easy to you as a preacher or a teacher may take years for people to appreciate. So he says, preach the word and be patient. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. They wouldn't love it. They want something else. But having 18 years, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to seal their own passions. Okay. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wonder. But as for you, somebody say, as for me. Always be sober-minded and your suffering. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your, fulfill your, somebody say, I fulfill my ministry. When I do the work of an evangelist, Colossians 4, 17, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. It's the same word. He says, Make full proof of your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry and fulfill your ministry. Here he says, say to Archippus, there's a ministry you have received. Take heed that you fulfill it. Last week I told you, and a couple of weeks now, I've been telling you that the first ministry of every Christian is the ministry of reconciliation. Somebody say, my first ministry, my first ministry. is not singing ministry. It's not prayer ministry. It's not preaching ministry. My first ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. And listen, it's a principal course. You see, in every course, every course you undertake or every program you do, there are principal courses. When you fail English, you have failed a principal subject. If you are in SSE, you are doing SSE and you fail English because it's an important course. Amen. Now, a lot of people seem to be excelling in other ministries, but this is a very important one. This is a primary ministry of the believer. It's a ministry that when you are born, 
You don't have to do anything to start this ministry. You don't have to be taught. They went to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. So we need to be taught to pray. But evangelism, though we need to teach about it, is something that immediately you get born again, you can do. Yeah. So the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, he says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. Then verse 18, he says, all things are of God. I always tell you, it's not by accident that immediately he talks about the fact that you're a new creation. Immediately, you would have waited. In fact, even in church, when somebody joins the church, it takes a process of time for the person to be assigned a certain responsibility. Leadership responsibility or leading or playing a specific role. It will take some time because we want to know you. We want to be able to uh, attest of your character and all of that. But God is so sure and is so concerned about the salvation of lost souls to the extent that the moment you get saved, he gives you the ministry. He says that he, all things of God will reconcile us to himself and had given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. At the time of salvation, that ministry is given to you. The moment you are saved, that ministry is given to you. So it's not a ministry we pray about. When people don't want to do what God has told them to do, sometimes they can turn it into a prayer point. Yeah, they are praying about something that they should do. So we started looking at the fact that this is my ministry. Somebody said, this is my ministry. Yeah, this is your primary ministry as a believer and you can't fail in it. This is one thing we are going to give account of in eternity. So precious and so important. We said that if you are going to do the work of an evangelist, there are some core things we need to appreciate. The fact that the work of evangelism is a divine mandate. Somebody say, it's a divine mandate. Divine mandate. Say, it's a divine mandate. divine mandate. The work of evangelism must also be done with biblical motivation. Somebody say, biblical motivation. Biblical. What is motivating you? What moves you? Paul said, the love of God constrains us. The love of God constrains us. The love of God constrains us. There are different causes to the work of evangelism. There's a heavenly call and there's an inward call. The inward call is the love of God constraining you. It constrains you. It compels you. The love of God for God and for man compels you. So we said that that is one. Get the mandate, understand the motivation, and then get the message right. Somebody say get the message right. Yeah, message right. All right. So we need an understanding of the mandate and the fact that he said go unto all nations. The motivation must be when he saw them he had compassion on them we must move with compassion for people when we see lost people when we see people are drinking pubs after work they are not just people to look at and pass they are people you should see and pray for somebody say an amen, amen. all right so the motivation must be we must be motivated by the fear of god the bible said knowing the terror of god we persuade men and then, of course, the message. Somebody say the message. In the book of Acts chapter 1, the Bible gives us God's evangelistic plan. God is a planner. Somebody say God is a planner. Say God is a planner. Your Bible and my Bible says, I know the plans that I think towards you. If you are not a good planner, you are not like God. It's good to learn how to plan. Do you know that God plan the salvation of humanity even before man's sin. The Bible said Jesus Christ was crucified before the foundations of a world. He had a master plan before man be misbehaved. Before man misbehaved, he did not just have a first plan. He had a second plan. He had a long-term plan. God is not just a today planner. He's a tomorrow planner. The Bible said every building is rises through wise planning. Planning is critical. God has a master plan for the work of evangelism. And he gave that plan out in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He said, but the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you power. Earlier on, he had told them to wait. He said, wait until I come. Wait until you are endued with power from high. Then he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you power. Then you will tell everyone about me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and everywhere in the world. Somebody say, everywhere in the world. Alright, so everywhere in the world, Christ has to be preached. In this text, we see four key ingredients about God's plan. Number one is a message. Somebody say, the message. The message. Say, the message. the message. You cannot read this scripture without 
seeing the message. Jesus said, you are going to tell everyone about me. When you go, you will not tell them about your car, your house, or your trips abroad. You will tell them about me. That's why Acts 1, 8 says, he said, then you will tell, the Holy Ghost will come upon you, and you will tell everyone in Jerusalem about me. So we go telling people about who? Christ. Somebody said we preach Christ. That's what we are told Philip went to do. Acts chapter 8 verse 4 to 5. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And preached Christ to them. Sometimes people go out and they preach behavioral change. You must not wear this. You must not wear that. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. You must shave your head this way. That's not the gospel. The gospel is Christ. That's what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5. He said, for we preach not ourselves. There are also people who like to preach about themselves. And they, they, they like to, sometimes it's so annoying to be in church and to hear a preacher talk from one thing about the other and it's little about Christ and it's all about himself. What I did and I traveled here and I traveled. Who cares about all of that? He said, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ. Jesus, our Lord, ourselves, your servants for Jesus' sake. So that's what we see from the beginning. Christ is the message from the beginning to the end. Say Christ, Christ. is a message from the beginning to the end. So in Acts chapter 1, we first see the message you will tell everyone about me. Number two, we also see the messengers. We see the messengers in God's plan. There is a message in God's plan. There are the messengers. And verse 8, he says, and you will be my witnesses. Look at that. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Who are those who are going to be his witnesses? His disciples. You and I are going to be his witnesses. When people see us a witness testify of that which he has experienced, that which he has seen, that which he has heard. That's what John was saying. He said that which you have heard, that which you have seen, that which is from the beginning we testify. So we are his messengers. And that's what 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 also tells us. Said This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Verse 18. And all of this is a gift from God who has brought us back to himself through Christ and has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Verse 20. And so we are Christ's arm. We are Christ's arm. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are the ambassadors of Christ. We speak on the behalf of Christ. He said God is making his appeal through us. The American embassy in Ghana has an ambassador in Ghana. And if the American embassy wants to communicate with the Ghanaian government, he does so through his ambassador. We are God's ambassadors on earth. And God makes his appeal to people who are not saved through us. Somebody say an amen. amen. All right. So number three. He also tells us who is going to enable us, the enabler. In this test, we see the message, we see the messengers, and we see the enabler. The enabler for the work is the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you will tell everyone about me. And then, of course, we see the recipient. Somebody say the recipients. Recipient. Say the recipients. Recipient. All right. So, he says... You will tell everyone in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and everywhere in the world. In other words, the whole world is the recipient for the message. Are you with me? So Mark chapter 16 verse 15. He said, go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Somebody say the total gospel. The total gospel. For, the total man. for the total man. Everywhere. everywhere. The gospel is for every man everywhere. What the gospel means? What does the gospel mean? The word gospel. He said, go ye and preach the gospel. Go and preach what? The what are we to preach? What are we to preach? So, we need to have an understanding of the gospel. The gospel simply means good news. Matthew 24 verse 14. He said, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Then the end will come. The message of evangelism is the gospel of the kingdom. Somebody say the message of evangelism is the gospel of a kingdom. Say the gospel of a kingdom 
is the message of evangelism. The gospel simply means good news. And we speak about good news in a biblical sense. We are talking about the good news of the kingdom of God and salvation through Jesus Christ. That's good news. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 to 4, the Bible gives us three core elements about the gospel. If you hear the gospel message, it must be clear in these three areas. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preach to you. Somebody say the gospel. So, Paul is going to give us some content about the gospel he preached. He said, which you receive and which you have taken and on which you have taken a stand. By this gospel, you are saved. Somebody say, by this gospel. gospel. Alright, so we are looking at the gospel that saves. Paul was speaking, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. So, there's a gospel that may not save. But there's a gospel that saves. The gospel of the kingdom is the gospel that saves. He said, by this gospel you are saved if you hold family to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Verse 3. He said, for what I receive, I pass on to you as of first importance. In other words, this gospel is a gospel Paul himself received. He was talking about that. He said, the revelation I share with you, I did not receive it from man. But the Holy Ghost himself gave it unto me. So Paul is talking about the gospel. He says... That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Somebody say the gospel. The gospel. Christ died. Somebody say Christ died. Christ died. According to our sins. Most of the people who defute, who defute the message of Christ. Usually they will come against the dead. That's why Easter is so significant. Where we remember the death, the burial and the resurrection of Christ. His birth is important. But his death is superior. Praise God. If Christ had not died, you and I would not have been saved. Many people have been born and died and nothing happened. But when he died and he resurrected, the seal and the work was done. So the Holy Spirit can now seal us eternally because he died. Praise the Lord. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, verse 4. And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. This is the basis of our faith. Somebody say, that's the basis of my faith. The gospel message is anchored on three things. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Somebody say, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Most religious sects that are false usually will not affirm these things. Either they would would contest the deity of Christ, or they would want to refute the fact that he resurrected. But Jesus died. Jesus was buried and Jesus rose again. Somebody say glory. glory. Right? So there are three key facts about the gospel. I think I shared with this with you earlier. That the gospel is a universal message. Somebody say it's a universal message. It's a universal message. Say it's a universal message. It's a universal. Yeah, the gospel is a universal, it's a message for all people, all races, all people everywhere. That's the gospel. The most important message in the gospel is whosoever. Somebody say whosoever. Whosoever is repeated again and again. John 3, 16. He said, for whosoever believeth in him should not perish. It tells you it's universal. In the book of Romans 10, 13. He said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Revelation 22, verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And he let him that... Hear it say, come, and let him that is a test, come. Whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Somebody say, an amen. amen. The gospel is universal for four reasons. One, because sin is universal. Somebody say, sin is universal. Sin is universal. There is no mortal on the planet who is sinless. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Number two, sin is universal. Number two, the offer of salvation is universal. The Bible says, for this is good and acceptable before God, who have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And then, of course, the command to repent is universal. The command to respond to the gospel is universal. At 17.30, in the times of this ignorance, God went at, but now, command all men everywhere to all men everywhere to of course the invitation to believe is universal for God so loved the world that whosoever believeth the invitation to believe is what 
is what? The invitation to believe. Anybody who believes cannot be refused. And then, of course, we said the gospel is a powerful message. So, first, the gospel is a universal message. Number two, the gospel is a powerful message. And number three, the gospel is a demonstrable message. Somebody say demonstrable message. It's a message that can be demonstrated. It's not a message that is in word only. For the kingdom of God is not in word only, but in power. Paul said, my preaching was not with the enticing words of men's wisdom, that your faith shall stand on the wisdom of men, but it was in the demonstration of the Spirit's power that your faith may stand on the wisdom of God. In other words, the power of God is a manifestation of the wisdom of God. Anytime God's power is released, his wisdom is in action. Okay, so we want to continue tonight in that same vein, looking at the message of an evangelist. That's what we are on. The message of an evangelist. Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Preach the gospel. That the gospel is the message that we carry. So we want to have an understanding of this message. What is the nature of this message? What kind of message is the message of the gospel? How many of you want to know? What kind of message? When we talk about the gospel message, what kind of message is it? The first one is that it's a message of love. Somebody say the message of love. Say the message of love. Yeah, so when we speak the gospel, people should feel the love of God. When you say you are preaching, when you preach, people should feel the love of God. They should sense the love of God. They should know that God loves them. When you preach the gospel and people feel that God hates them, God doesn't like them, God is after them, you are not preaching the gospel. When the gospel is truly preached, people will feel the love of God. Because that's what the gospel is all about. The gospel is a message of love. John chapter 3 verse 16, For God so... For God so... Now you know why John used the word so? Because there could not be any better description. It was so huge. For God so loved the world. There wasn't any better adjective. Paul was speaking, but he said, but for his great love. Great love, great love, great love. The gospel must communicate the love of God. Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus resurrected. And all the things he went through, he went through because he was demonstrating that God loves us. We are valuable to God. Somebody say, I'm loved. Yeah, you are loved. And much more, everybody on the planet is loved. You are not the only person God loves. God loves everybody. Every sinner on the planet is loved by God. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. He said, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. Somebody say, the love of God. Love. Say, the love of God. The, love of God. the manifestation of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ was the love of God. God released grace as an expression of his love to us. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 6 to 8. Sometimes, and that's why I tell Christians all the time that you never have to allow Satan to convince you and make you doubt the love of God once. No matter what you do or whatever happens to you, one of the things you should never come to a place where you doubt is the love of God for you. Many believers have their faith weakened their faith is not strong because they are always not sure God loves them. When you become convinced and convicted beyond every shadow of doubt that you are loved by God, Satan will take notice of you. Because there's no way he can defeat you when you understand the love of God. The Bible says we have known and believe the love of God. You have to know it and believe it. Sometimes you don't feel it, but you must believe it. Sometimes your experience may betray that you are loved by God, but it's inconsequential. Believe it. He said, we have known. When you experience it or you feel it, you know it. When you don't experience it, you believe it. We have known and believe the love of God. When we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 7, he said, For scarcely for a righteous man will someone die. Yet peradventure for a good man, even some would even dare to die. Verse 8, but God commended, oh, I like that, but God, somebody say, but God. But God commended his love toward us. When, after we finished sinning, after we accepted Christ, after we became born again, 
he said, but God commended his love to while we were still sinning. While you were fornicating, God was loving you. While many years ago, I had we in my hands and I was smoking left, right, center and I was smoking my brains out. God loved me anyway. And that's the same message we must carry to people. We have to take our eyes off what people do because most of the time, we allow what people do to so disturb us that we forget that God genuinely loves us. people like that. Yeah, the people who frustrate you, the people you don't like, they are loved by God. He commended his love to while we were sinners. When you didn't have any intention of stopping your wayward life, he loved you. Look at what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. Whoo! Glory, 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 glory. He said, and you he had quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Look at this. Uh, when we come back to Ephesians, this one will work. <laughs> he says, Where, wherein in time past. Now listen, he's taking you back to where you used to be. He's talking to people who are saints now. And he's telling them, you, you, he quickened you. And let me tell you the state you were in before you were quickened. He said, where in time past, you walk according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. He said, those days when you didn't know the Lord, this was how you were, you were controlled by demonic powers. You were doing things you had no control over. Now he goes to verse 3. Among whom also you had our conversation in time past in the last hour of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. He said, before this time you were a child of wrath. But God. Somebody say, but God. God. Romans says, but God. Ephesians says, but God. Every time but God comes, the equation changes. Praise the Lord. But God. But God. But God. But God. He said, but God. Who is rich in mercy? Who is rich in mercy? You see, there, there are things God is rich in. One of them is mercy. May you be rich in mercy. Some people, they are only rich in money. But you are poor if you are only rich in money. You have to be rich. (laughs) You have to be rich. In mercy. Be rich in love. Be rich in peace. Be rich. May you be rich in love. Say, but God is rich in mercy for his great love where he loved us. So, he loved us with great love. Somebody say, I'm loved. I'm loved. Say, I am, loved. I am loved. When you understand this, you will not be craving for love from men. That's what the Samaritan woman lacked. She was craving for love. And men took advantage of her. They abused her. There are some women too. They are married. But they simply cannot be satisfied with the love their husbands give them. Because their husband is the ultimate source of love. My first source of love is God. What this woman offers is enough. Whether it's enough or it's not enough, God's love is more than enough. Am I communicating here? Understand that. It's critical. He said, for his great love. Men may love you with little love, but God has great love. Somebody say, I'm loved with great love. Yeah. Then he said, for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Verse 5. Even when we were dead, he said, even when we're dead in sins, had quickened us together with Christ. By grace, we are saved. Do you understand what I'm teaching tonight? It's critical. This is foundational. It's a message of love. And you see, the reason why sometimes people don't respond to our message is because it's full of hell. I don't know why the message of hell resonates with Africans so much. Yeah. Full of hell. So the first one is a message of love. Somebody say the message of love. love. When the gospel is preached, the love of God must be, the love of God must be, the love of God must be felt. It must be what? Yeah, people must see the weight of the love of God. Number two is a message of grace. Somebody say the message of grace. Say the message of grace. Say the message of grace. All right. So he says in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, 
the love of God, the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9. For by grace you are saved through faith, and none of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Come to Acts chapter 20, verse 22. Acts 20. Paul is speaking here. He said, Now I. This was when he called for the leaders of the church of Ephesus, and they came to him, and he was speaking with them, and it says, Now I'm going in the spirit, I'm bound, I go in the spirit bound to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will befall me or happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testify in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none, let's read that together, one go, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may and the ministry which I receive from the Lord to good to testify the gospel is a message about the grace of God. Somebody say the grace of God. So when we preach the gospel, we must communicate the grace of God to people. The grace of God. The grace of God. In the book of Titus 2:11, he said, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men, the grace of God. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto what? And it is the grace of God that brings what? Salvation. The gospel is the power of God. How does it bring salvation? Through the grace of God. The gospel is a message about the grace of God. Come with me, Titus 3 verse 1 to 7. Amazing. Glory. Titus, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrate, to be ready to every good work. Let's read verse 2 together. To speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto for we ourselves we ourselves now Paul is including himself, so these are people, we those who are saved, he tells us that we ourselves were sometimes foolish. I think he should tell you something. That you don't have to be hard on sinners. One of the things that makes people lose compassion for sinners is their forgetfulness of their former state. You are a sin today, but you used to be a sinner before. There is no sin today who was not a sinner before. And when you understand that, uh, when you were a sinner, things were tough, you also be very merciful and compassionate with sinners. He said, for we ourselves were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers, lusts, and pleasures, living in malice and envy and hateful, and hating one another. Oh, but, somebody say but. <laughs> After the kindness and love of God, Savior toward men appeared. Verse 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing Continue. Which he shared on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That being justified by being justified by we should be made as according to the hope of eternal our justification is by grace. Somebody say praise God. Yeah, that's it. Our justification essentially is by grace. That's what happened. In the book of Galatians, Paul was mad because some people had infiltrated the, the church of Galatia and they were teaching other things. He had brought them the gospel of grace. They had accepted the message and they were doing fine. Some people came and they said, you have to add this, you have to add that, you have to do this, you have to do that. Unless you use hair gear, you go to hell. Unless you stop wearing earrings, there's no way you make heaven. You shouldn't put ornaments on your body. If you wear makeup, you are destined for hell. And it's amazing how people will have dreams, revelations about hell and not heaven. If you constantly have revelations about hell, that probably means your destination. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Galatians 1.6. People will say, I went to hell, and when I went, I, I saw that this man of God was not there. What kind of demon is controlling you? <laughs> Then they will come and be shooting things. I remember two years ago, somebody sent me a video. And somebody was talking, talking, talking plenty. 
She went to hell. This person was not there. All ladies who wear trousers were not in her. I said, this girl, you are going mental. Because it has no place in scripture. Any vision or revelation that has no basis in scripture should just be treated like trash. Are you with me here? That's why you need to be lettered in the word. You can't, you can't afford to be ignorant. I marvel, look at that, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of the grace of to what did Paul call the gospel? Paul called the gospel the grace of Christ. <laughs> the grace of Christ. The gospel. He said, you, you have moved away from the grace of Christ into another gospel. So another gospel, any other gospel that does not emphasize the grace of God is another gospel. Any gospel that makes you feel that what Christ did is insufficient for salvation is another gospel. If you have to now stop wearing trousers to be safe, it's another gospel. If you must wear headgear, it's another gospel. If you're not wearing makeup, it's another gospel. Any gospel that adds on to the finished work of Christ is another gospel. Praise God. Yeah. So ladies, feel free and look fine. Look fine, look fresh. God is excited when you look fine. What he's most concerned about is your inner life. Yes. He said, let it not be the outward ornament of the wearing of uh, chains and of plating of hair, but let it be the inner man, the quiet spirit. It doesn't mean that make yourself shabby. Yeah. Look fine, but make sure that your character is strong. Yeah. Let it be the hidden man of the heart. In that, oh, I like that. In that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, great price. Somebody say of great price. See, there are things that are of great value before God. One of them is your character. Very important. All right. So he says, you are moved from another gospel. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 1 verse 6. Which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. How are they seeking to pervert it? He said, but even if we <laughs> or an angel from heaven preach an any other gospel to you other than which we have preached, let him be accursed. Very strong. Paul came to a place where he was so mad, he had been troubled so much. That now he was placing a curse on those who would watch the gospel. Now, you see, you would think that he was cursing people. It was out of passion to see people liberated. He repeated it twice. He said, as we have said it before, so now I say it again. If anyone preaches any other gospel to you other than what you have received, let him be accursed. So the gospel is a message of grace. Somebody say the gospel is a message of grace. That's why I've been telling you that stop praying that I will make heaven. If you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior and you have confessed Christ as your Lord and Savior and you are born again, you are already in heaven. Amen. You don't need prayer point to be there. If you are praying to get to heaven, you are far from the place. Heaven is not a prayer point for the believer. It's, 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 the, it's the operational headquarters of the believer. You, you are seated in Christ far above principalities and powers. We are citizens in heaven. That's where we are. And we are operating. So we are not earthly beings looking for a heavenly experience. We are heavenly beings having an earthly experience. Can somebody say an amen? amen. That's who you are. And that's your status. That's your status. If you are an American citizen and you come to Ghana and you begin to act like you're a Ghanaian citizen and you eat all kinds of things, you go through, you, you, you are complete. American citizens are not complaining about uh, CD depreciation because they don't eat CD. Am I complicating here? They don't eat CD. They don't, you can depreciate all you want. They don't care. When they change one dollar, hundred dollar, they have 800 CDs. Am I communicating here? You see, the more conscious of your origin, the more relaxed you become in the circumstances of life. Jesus knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. When he was on the ship 
and there was almost a shipwreck. He was sleeping. Why could he sleep? Because he knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. And he knew the authority he wielded. So when he woke up, they said, why are you in trouble? He woke up, he saw the tempestuous uh, storm and the disciples were wild. Our lives are in jeopardy. Jesus said, say my life is in jeopardy. That's what I tell people all the time. When you say we are dying, say I am dying. If I'm dead with you, I'll tell you, I'll correct you. Say I'm dying. Don't say we are dying. Because I'm not dying. I'm not communicating here. He said, our lives are in jeopardy. Jesus said, see you. Ye men of little faith. Then he said, peace be still. And peace was still. I speak still peace to every trouble storm in your life. Peace in your finances. Peace in your marriage. Peace in every area of your life. So the gospel is a message of grace. Somebody says it's a message of grace. The gospel is a message of reconciliation. Somebody say message of reconciliation. Message of reconciliation. Yeah. All the gospel and the gospel alone say the spirit of God. No additions. Amen? Yeah, that's what the gospel is about. It's all about Christ and Christ alone. Paul said we preach Christ, him crucified. It's a message of reconciliation. In the book of 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 20. And you see, when we talk about reconciliation, we are dealing with anger. We are dealing with wrath. We are dealing with a season where there is peace and harmony. Somebody say peace and harmony. That's what it is. The gospel is a message that God is at peace with men. God is not angry with men. God is not interested in destroying men. That is what the gospel is about. That's what we are told here. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, the new creation has come. The world has gone. Look at verse 18. He says, All this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of what? The ministry of what? What is your ministry? You are to tell people that God is at peace with them. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not. Now listen, this is how you reconcile people. If you are doing marriage counseling and you want to reconcile people who are angry, you can't be pointing their force to them. By the time you finish, the force that the husband didn't see before, the counselor has pointed it so loud that now the, the husband is now seeing the magnitude of his point against the wife. You don't count people's sins against them. He said, God was in Christ reconciled, not counting people's sins against them. That's why when they brought the woman, they said, we caught her. He said, that's not it. Neither do I condemn you. I didn't come here to condemn anybody. Not counting their sins. He has committed unto us a message of reconciliation. We are Christ's ambassadors. Now, let's see how beautifully uh, the book of Ephesians puts this. Ephesians 2 verse 11 to 13. Therefore remember that formerly you were Gentiles by birth and called and circumcised by those who called themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Verse 4. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. Look at this. You were that separate from who? You were separate. I want us to take note of all those things because reconciliation means that all of this has been sorted out now. One. You were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel. Now, our citizenship is where? In heaven. He said, foreignness to the covenant of promise, without hope and without God in this world. But now, oh, somebody say, but now. I like it. Ephesians is my favorite book. Oh. <laughs> it's a book, almost every week I listen to it. Every day I listen to it. In a week, almost a few, one or two days that I don't listen every time. Ephesians, I love that book. He said, but now. Somebody say, but now. Uh-huh. You have to look at what has happened now. Stop quoting uh, uh, what you used to be. But now. Somebody say, but now. Uh-huh. But now in Christ Jesus. This is our location. Where is our location now? In Christ. Somebody say, I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. Say, I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. He said, in Christ. You who were once far away have been brought nigh by the blood of Christ. So I don't pray as if God is in heaven. I pray because God is here with me. Am I communicating here? 
For he himself is our peace. This reconciliation. Who has made two groups one and has destroyed the barrier. Somebody said the barrier is broken. Oh, in the Old Testament, there used to be a barrier. Only the high priest could enter. But now that barrier is broken. Everyone can enter. Now, when you go down, he said, the dividing wall of hostility. Verse, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandment and regulations, his purpose was to create himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. Verse 16, and in one body to reconcile both of them to go through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. So when Jesus hanged on the cross, God's anger and wrath against man was hanged on him. Now go to, he said, he came and breathed peace to those you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Verse 18, for through him, somebody say through him, through him. we have what? Access to the Father by one spirit. Somebody say, I have access. You have access on him that you can you can have you don't need to climb any mountain to have access to God. There's a mountain where you pray and God yes, who told you that? The hour come and when you that worship God, not that in this mountain or any mountain. For God is a spirit, and they who worship him must worship him in it. We have access by the spirit, we have access to God. Anywhere you can sit in a taxi, you have access to God. On the toilet seat, you have an access to God. You have unhindered access to God. That's why prayers will come easy and cheap to you. You have access. There's no protocol. When you are speaking to your father, you don't need a protocol. If a stranger is coming to my office, the office staff will meet him and ask him, why are you here? What do you want? And if we don't know, he will give you forms to fill. Because by the time you leave the office, if I'm no longer there, they must trace you. <laughs> Am I communicating here? Yeah. Yeah. You, you must, we must be able to trace you. <laughs> Somebody says a message of reconciliation. Yeah. It's, it cannot, the gospel cannot be a message of condemnation. It's a message of reconciliation. Somebody said the gospel is never a message of condemnation. And listen, you and I don't have the power to condemn anybody. The only person who had power to condemn, he refused to use it. Jesus was the only person who had power to condemn. And when he had the opportunity to do so, he refused to do it. So who are you to condemn me? In the book of Romans, he said, who are you to lay charge against God's elect? Romans. Romans chapter 8. He said, who are you to lay a charge against God? It is Christ who died. It's Christ who justified us. And then finally, it's a message of faith. Somebody say a message of faith. Say the gospel is a message of faith. Yeah, it's a message of faith. The gospel demands a faith response. It demands what? It demands what? The gospel demands a faith response. It demands a faith response. So when we preach the gospel, there must be a faith response. When Peter preached, they said, what shall we do to be saved? They said, repent. But when you go down in Acts chapter 2, verse 44, we see that it was not just a matter of just repenting. They believe. And so he tells us, and all that were believed together had all things in common. Those who believed, they believed Peter's message. They responded to it. No matter what is preached until a person believes, a person cannot be saved. In the book of Romans 1.16, he said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto, unto salvation to everyone that what? Everyone that what? Yeah, so until a person believes the gospel, the power of the gospel cannot be seen. The gospel must be believed. You have to respond to it in faith. You have to respond to the gospel in faith. John chapter 3 verse 16, For God so loved the word that he gave his only begotten, that whosoever believed in him. That's critical. In the book of Ephesians 1, 12 to 13, as I close, he says, that we should be to the praise of his glory. Who first trusted in Christ? First trusted who? In Christ. And we are not talking about faith in a man of God. We are not talking about faith in a medium. We are talking about faith in Christ. Somebody say faith in Christ. Say faith in Christ. He says that you should be to who first trusted Christ. In whom also you also trusted. After that, you heard the truth of the gospel. He's telling us how people came to be saved. He said, 
in whom you also trust. Go to verse 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory. Who first trusted in, first believed in. Now go to verse 13. In whom also you trusted after you heard the word of, after you heard the word of the gospel of your so he's talking about hearing the gospel and responding. He said, In whom also after you heard, after you heard, you were seed with that Holy Spirit of when were you seed when you believe? That's why when people give all other conditions for salvation, they miss it. You are sealed when you believe. And once God sees you, you cannot be unsealed. <laughs> Somebody say, I'm sealed. Yeah. You remember in the Old Testament, uh, men like Nebuchadnezzar, he had a signet. The moment he put it on a seal, it could not be revoked. Now, Nebuchadnezzar could put a seal and could not be revoked. Can Ahasuerus could put a seal and could not be revoked? Why should we think that when the Almighty God seals us, his seal can be revoked? I am eternally saved. I'm eternally secure. Somebody say, I'm eternally saved. I'm eternally secure. My salvation cannot be lost. Stand on your feet and begin to thank God. Give him praise. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We look forward to having you join us again and again. We are blessed. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh, no.